Good morning. So as I was uh, thinking about harvest, um, Sam, um, while we're away at councils this week, Sam and I have been asked to um, present uh, something about a uh, good news story, um, something about our church's journey and the good news um, of all what God has done for us as a, a family over these last years. Um, and as we were sat preparing um, our little um, piece to share about how God has blessed us, hasn't he? As we look back over our fellowship and seen so much of God's blessing, one word came to mind, which kind of connected with that and connected with harvest, and it is the word abundance. Our God is a God of abundance and blessing. And uh, so, hence this uh, well-known story that we find in Scripture of the feeding of the 5,000. And I want us to uh, frame this story uh, in these uh, three themes um, this morning. A theology of abundance, a theology of enough, and a theology of leftovers. So aside from the story of Easter Day, the resurrection, this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 <laughs> is the only story that's recorded in all four Gospels. Luke's account that we shared earlier on is the shortest hour of the four. So that suggests that the Gospel writers consider this to be a significant story to share, miracle. And in our scripture um, uh, from Luke, Luke intentionally frames this feed on the 5,000 to address the question of Jesus' identity. And, and we um, saw that in verse 7 that Christian shared. Now Herod the ruler heard about all that had taken place and who was perplexed because it was, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the ancient prophets had arose. Herod said, John, I beheaded. So who is this about whom I hear such things? And he tried to see him. So the author of this gospel, Luke, tells us that Herod was perplexed. Herod was wondering, who is this person that he's heard so much about? And in verses 18 to 20, Luke does the same. Once when Jesus was praying alone with the only disciples near him, with only the disciples near him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others, that you are one of the ancient prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Messiah of God. And when the crowds find Jesus, Luke tells us that Jesus welcomed them. Welcoming is an action of a host receiving his or her guest. I'd like to say that as a fellowship, we're good at welcoming people. Um, and we know that Luke in particular has a special interest in hospitality and includes Jesus' teaching on being a host. And, we can, um, and in offering an indiscriminate welcome, Jesus exemplifies what he teaches. And so Jesus preaches to the crowds about the kingdom of God. And we've heard a lot, haven't we, in recent weeks on, on a Sunday morning about the kingdom of God. And this theme about the kingdom of God is, 
is the theme of Jesus' public preaching throughout the Gospels. But only Luke mentions it in the, this context. The author, Tim Chester, writes these words. The Christian community is the beginning and sign of God's coming world, and no more so than when we eat together. We're a church, aren't we, that loves food. We love to eat. <laughs> Our meals are a foretaste of the future banquet. Our meals reveal the identity of Jesus. Our meals are a proclamation and demonstration of God's good news. And I believe that our meals are truly a proclamation and demonstration of God, God's good news. When God's people embrace a theology of abundance, a theology of enough, and a theology of leftovers. So as we look at this uh, story of the theme of the 5,000, we mustn't forget that the number of people um, in that crowd is clearly a conservative estimate because we need to understand that during these the time of Jesus women and children were not accounted for or included and so um, this idea of scarcity tells the powerful to accumulate and take and dominate to be driven by the fear of not enough and never enough. So often we make our decisions out of fear and anxiety that there isn't enough for us. And these core beliefs can lead us to war and hunger, injustice and inequality. We must keep others down so that we can stay on top. We stockpile money and food and comforts at the expense of one another and our own souls. And in our world today, it's easy to become accustomed to the dominant narratives of consumerism and individualism that pervade our personal, professional, yes, and even our spiritual lives. The temptation to gather and keep things for ourselves is strong and sometimes overpowering. Yet time and again in the Bible, God demonstrates an ending generosity and shares the abundance of his creation with mankind. And in miracles and in parables, Jesus taught his disciples about a new way to live together, caring for our one human family without any fear of scarcity. So believing in a theology of abundance is a new way to live in the world. It's in direct contradiction to the individualism, the consumerism, and the capitalism that dominate our world today. And moreover, it is an active choice, and one that may require sacrifices from us. It requires us to take a critical look at where resources are hoarded and kept from people at the margins of society. A theology of abundance. We also need a theology of enough. The author of uh, the day was drawing to a close, chapter, uh, verse 12 says, and the twelve came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding towns and countryside to lodge and find food for we are here in a deserted place. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. 
And in the kingdom of God, friends, there is more than enough. It's an act of faith to, um, to work out this narrative of abundance instead of the fear of scarcity. As the church, you and I, we are called to exist in a prophetic community as an alternative to the narratives of the world living out the kingdom of God in our right now lives. There isn't scarcity. There is more than enough if we live like our Jesus. There is more than enough for, all, for us all. There is room for us all. And in a theology of scarcity, we believe that there will not be enough for everyone and doubt that God will provide for us. And that mentality of scarcity can plunge us into suspicion and competition. In scripture, we find a wonderful example of God's sufficiency in Exodus. God provided daily for the people wandering in the wilderness, sending them manna to eat. But the catch was that the manna would spoil after a day. So they could not store it. And so they relied on God every day to provide. And next to 16, verse 16 to 18, God instructs his people to take the manna and to um, use what was called an omer so that each person would have enough. Where, what if we strived for enough rather than the excess of capturing abundance? Having an enough mindset can lead us to live more simply, to experience more, more contentment, to live with greater gratitude and generosity, to recalibrate our lives to what God desires and to use our, all that we have for God's purpose and by extension the common good. We need a theology of leftovers. We live in a culture, don't we, where wasting food is normal and commonplace. And so when we mention leftovers, we likely get a wide range of opinions. Some may insist that no leftover is a good thing. Now, I would have to say that there are some things that even taste better when they are leftovers. A curry, pizza, Chinese takeaway. Some of those taste better the day after. There are many stories of God leaving God's people with a lot of leftovers. And these stories build upon the idea of God providing for us in a dramatic way. This is not just manna in the wilderness, in, in the wilderness, wilderness, enough sustenance for one day at a time. These are miracles of abundance. And in the account of the feeding of the 5,000 today, all four accounts state that after everyone had eaten, the disciples collected 12 baskets of leftovers. Only Matthew and Mark tell us about the two other miraculous feeding of the 4,000, where they collected seven baskets of leftovers. John alone goes further. He tells us that Jesus expressly instructed his disciples to collect the leftovers and told them why. Gather up the fragments left over that nothing may be lost. Jesus takes the leftovers that we spurn or reject, like the gift of the loaves and fish, and turns them into a feast and more. 
Jesus assembles the leftovers of society and makes of them his church. What about the leftovers of our society? The food wasted by supermarkets while the homeless grow hungry. Unoccupied houses whilst asylum seekers have their claims rejected. Friends, in Jesus' life, the corners of society from which we often avert our gaze become the centrepiece of his ministry. Let's remember the, the Jesus' simple gesture of giving thanks and distributing the five loaves and two fishes is the presence of God's abundant, overflowing love with and for us, especially those most vulnerable amongst us. The presence of leftovers is a promise that God isn't done with us yet. There will be food and nourishment for another day. And in fact, knowing they are there, we might even look forward to it. And leftovers, in a theological sense, build our anticipation of a continued relationship with God. And such stories remind us of the overwhelming generosity of God. And stories like the feeding of the 5,000 or the 4,000 encourage us to remember that even as we marvel in God's goodness and blessings, they are only a small glimpse of what God is capable of. God is always much bigger than our experiences, even our imaginations, and yes, even our theologies. And I believe that we enact hope when we practice the theology of abundance, the theology of enough, and the theology of leftovers. So as we go from this place today, let's commit ourselves to living out the theology of abundance, the theology of enough, and the theology of leftovers so that we can share the abundance that we receive from God. I wonder today, as we sit here and we maybe put ourselves in a place, uh, somewhere in that crowd, has Jesus spoke to them? Maybe we're sat in that crowd waiting for God to act. And as we do, we hang on to our own small loaves of bread. They aren't much, they wouldn't go far. And besides, we say to ourselves, if Jesus is in charge of the bread, doesn't that excuse us from sharing our own? God will provide, let God provide. Let them feed themselves, say the disciples. They need not go away, says Jesus. You give them something to eat. Not me, but you. Not my bread, but yours. Not sometime or somewhere else, but right here and now. We are to stop searching for someone else to solve the problem and solve it ourselves. We are to stop, stop waiting for food to fall from the sky and share what we have. We are to stop waiting for a miracle instead of participating in one instead. Bring what you have to me. That is where we start. Remember there is, that there is no such thing as your bread or my bread. There is only our bread. Has in give us this day our daily bread. However much you and I have, just bring it to me and believe that it is enough to start with, enough to get, enough to start a trend. 
And what Jesus has been saying to his followers forever, and he goes on saying to you and I today, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. If that is a saying that strikes fear into our hearts, that makes the loaves we have seem like nothing at all, and let's remember what he says next. Bring them here to me. So a question for us to reflect on this week. Where do I start? Where do we start to bring our own five loaves and fish to God? Whether they be time, talents, money, possessions, our lives, our service, where do I start? Where do we start to be our own five loaves and fish to God so that we might begin to participate in a miracle? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that indeed you are a God of abundance. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning who feels that they have nothing to bring, or that what they have is, is too small and insignificant, then Father God, I pray that by your spirit you will remind them that you take whatever we have, however small, you take it, you bless it, you break it, and out of that flows abundance. So Father God, we pray that you will help us to know you as a God of abundance, and we will seek your abundance, Father God. We will seek your fullness in our lives. And as we seek your fullness in our lives, Father God, we pray that we will take that fullness, that abundance out side of this place, into our communities, into our relationships, so that others can, uh, can receive something of your fullness and abundance. Come and do that, we pray, Father God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for that. And out of the abundance that God gives us,